Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. All right, guys. Welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. And today, I've got a very special guest. Um, Quentin Flores from San Antonio, Texas. Uh, apparently, What's up? What's um, up? yeah. Apparently now he's better known as uh, Rich Homie Q uh, <laughs> up here Hell in DFW. Yeah. And uh, before I get started, guys, I just a disclaimer. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. Okay, we're going to hit on some some pretty heavy topics, and uh, Q and I are just going to be real, and uh, we're not going to hold anything back. So. Uh, Probably not the best episode to listen to with your, your family or your kids. Uh, you might want to make this one silent and where just you can hear it. Uh, but I want to start off um, by telling a little bit of a story before we, we dive in and we get uh, uh, Quentin on here. Um, when I started the Titanium Vault, I, I wanted to get Quentin on the on the podcast pretty early on. And we just haven't been able to make it work with our schedules and and everything like that and well this is probably gonna be episode 55 so you know well over a year since i started the podcast and uh quentin finally reached out to me and said hey let's make this happen and uh you know it, it's crazy how things work because this morning i i'm on facebook and and quentin posted this on facebook this morning and uh everything happens for a reason right and so this is his post he says i post this once a year on this day eight on this day eight years ago a friend of mine who i trusted dearly kicked down my front door with his two thug friends and robbed me at gunpoint for eighteen thousand dollars and three pounds of herb i lost my apartment apartment my credit was destroyed and almost all of my most valued possessions had been taken and i was almost homeless today that friend of mine who backstabbed me is serving 10 years in prison for trying to rob a costco and I am here, alive and well, with my home, my gorgeous woman, my handsome son, and my own real estate business. Moral of my story, it doesn't matter how long you are in this world or how deep the hole you are in it is. You can climb out of that shit and become great. And might I add that karma works in mysterious ways. Hashtag still blessed. <laughs> Quentin, man, um, I, I just want you to know that that story this morning just touched me and, and I wanted to share that with everybody and uh, I, I want to go into your incredible story. Before we jump into your story, why don't you take a second to just kind of introduce yourself and uh, tell everybody what it is that you do in real estate investing. What's going on, everybody? Uh, my name is Quentin Flores. I am a real estate investor and full-time wholesale broker here in San Antonio, Texas. I own three real estate businesses, uh, Celestial Homes, Brownstone Home Solutions, and Q Home Solutions. And each one of these companies derives from their own fruit of how they operate <laughs> awesome one man. of them i do a lot of flips the other one is a lot of buy and hold the other one is strictly wholesaling and uh a lot of what i do revolves around scaling and you if you have if you haven't heard of me i apply a lot of what i learned selling weed to my real estate business because it's ultimately the same thing and i got a slogan i use it's you know <laughs> Instead of looking for the stinky weed, I look for the stinky houses, and that's kind of <laughs> like my whole business model right there. 
But uh, yeah, That's 28 awesome. years old in the game. Been in real estate for about five years already, and we hitting over a million in profits already in 2018. It's been crazy. Man, that is awesome. So, all right, we you know let's let's before we dive into real estate and investing and all that, we I, I promised them that we were going to hit them with a, a heavy hitting story. So, uh, you know, obviously I shared the post, but kind of give us a, a a snippet into your journey on what your your path looked like before you got into real estate investing. Well. It's always been rugged, right? In my family, my mother, uh, her parents had died in a plane crash. So my mom was an orphan. All I've ever known was my mom. And uh, I was one of six. My mother had six kids before she was 25. And uh, we were pretty much broke as hell. My father was the one that was supporting us. I'm, my mom has, you know, my brothers and sisters, they're half they're half brothers, half sisters. Uh, you know, my mom got busy when she was younger. <laughs> but anyways, you know, um, my dad was a full-blown drug dealer. He used to move pounds of meth and pounds of pot from Cleveland, Ohio to San Antonio, Texas. On his way to Cleveland, he had got popped. And uh, that, is when, that is where I was born because my father had to serve his parole in Cleveland, Ohio. He then broke his parole and we moved all the way down here to San Antonio where we lived in the back of my grandma's crib. Um, the west side of SA, which is which Las Palmas areas is what it's called, and it's super super ghetto, man. Uh, populated by a lot of old school Mexican gangs. That is where I grew up for the majority of my life until I was about 12 years old, and we finally left my father for good. My dad, he was very abusive to my mom. He was very abusive to my brothers and sisters. I remember on my brother's 11th birthday, my brother forgot to mow the backyard, so my 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 dad made him mow the lawn and then sold his dog and. It's things like that. It was just the most pettiest shit that you could ever think of. I would get my ass whooped if I ate a cereal, a bowl of cereal without without asking my dad. Oh my and it was, it was things like that that was just it was horrible, man. I, I grew up watching my dad smack my mom around and hold her up to the, against the wall by her throat with one arm. My father was big. He must have been 6'7", 300 pounds. He was a huge man. And my mother, she's 4'11", so just really think about that oh, for a wow. second. You know, and when we finally left that, my mother, she ended up getting a new boyfriend. My dad still tormented us that entire time. Uh, he would follow us around from hotel to hotel. He had connections with, I guess he was mafia or something, but he had connections with people and he could find people very easily. And we always had to keep on running and running and running. And it wasn't until I was about 14 years old, my mother finally settled down with another person. And my dad had gotten sick. I think he got diagnosed with diabetes and he didn't treat himself. So he started getting sicker and sicker. And I guess his motivation to chase after my mom finally died. After that was all said and done, my, my mom's new boyfriend, and I'm, I'm still a kid at this point. This must have been like 2004. Uh, he needed help selling pot because he was a full-time chef. So he would always ask me to weigh out his stuff for him or more or less like try to figure out like uh, the terminology or the, the, the numbers that revolve around pot. You know what I'm saying? Like right. five grams is a, a – well, 2.5 is a nickel. Five grams in total is a dime. You know, 10 is a 20, half ounce, 14 grams. It's things like that. I don't, I'm not trying to educate you guys on the, <laughs> the, the way that shit weighs out, okay? But when, when you're moving swag, it's a different game. And, you know, my, my dad used to my, – my stepdad used to give me – sacks of pot and i would just go and i would sell them at school to uh people that really needed it and that that's kind of where I, I found out that i was really good at selling 
Uh, I'm trying to sum this up as a lot as much as I can. But from 14 to 23, I built a weed empire, literally from what I had learned from my my father-in-law. When or when my stepdad, I'm sorry. When 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 all of that had broken down, I think I was 17. I was still trying to sell some pot, and I think I was working a dead end job at Jack in the Box. I decided. Well, my mother kicked me out, and I was sleeping outside of Jack in the Box for the longest time. And I finally saved up enough money to buy my own pound of pot. And that is where it all started. I ended up moving from swag from one pound to five to ten to fifteen. And then toward the – toward 2010, there was a drought in, in swag. I couldn't find it to save my life. Apparently, a big connect in Mexico got busted. That had been where I'd been getting my stuff. And I, I had to figure out where the hell I was going to buy this shit from. And it was in 2010 that I had made the transition from swag to hydroponic stuff, which is high-quality shit, you know? Right. I used the money that I had made selling swag, a couple thousand bucks, and I bought one single pound of high-quality stuff, which was three times, four times the amount. That I would normally pay for the quantity that I was getting. But it was less of a risk, I thought. Because at the time, 10 pounds, I mean, dude, you're going to go to jail for a long time if you get caught with this shit. Right. No doubt. <laughs> However, in, in Dro, I could have 5 pounds and it would be worth just as much as 10 pounds of swag, being that it's higher quality. You know, I started moving that. And for that whole year, I came up out of nowhere. Um, when I had made the transition, I met a really good gentleman, and you would never even expect this. And I tell everybody this. Most people, when they think of the drug dealer, they think of the guy that's like, uh, you know, tattoos all over his body, bald, Mexican, <laughs> hardcore, buff dude or something like that that's going to tell you to come into his house, leave the money there, and then give you a backpack. That's really the not how it is at all. <laughs> the right. guy that I purchased my stuff from was an Indian dude, a dot on the forehead type of guy. <laughs> right. I'm not racist. I'm just telling you, this is the, <laughs> the prime example of an Indian dude. This guy was clearly from India. He had an accent and everything. And I was buying my stuff from this guy and he had it for really, really cheap. I'm talking like I would purchase them from this dude for about 23 to 2,600. And in 2010, the market value for a pound of herb was $4,000. So I would buy five of these and then I would go and sell them for more and I would make my uh, uh, quote unquote assignment fee plus my money back. <laughs> and I would do this over and over and over again. And it was in this time I accumulated, you know, then I was playing with five grand and living comfortably. And I had a girlfriend who had two kids and I was taking care of those kids and I was just trying to be like, you know, a provider for the most part. Right. It was cool being able to get things from my mother or leave money in her mailbox or being able to take care of when my brothers or sisters asked me if I could borrow, if they could borrow money. I loved being able to provide for my family. You know, ultimately, family is the most important thing. And I always held that on my shoulder, even when I was doing this stuff. And it was late 2010, eight years ago, that after my operation was just like full-blown, hell yeah, like this is amazing, we're making a lot of money. It was all taken away from me by a friend of mine that I had went to school with. You know, it's weird how things like this work, right? And I was outside walking my dog. It must have been like maybe 12 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'll never forget this shit. I have had a gun held to my head several times for weed. This would have been the third time this shit happened. And, you know, the way I always saw it, and this is something that my, my, step, well, my stepdad had taught me. And he was like, no amount of weed is worth dying for, Q. If somebody's going to put a gun to your head, you just give it to them and walk. 
right. you know, charge it to the game. That is what people would call it, charging it to the game. That's basically you were in this for a reason. You knew the repercussions of what could happen. If anything takes away from that, charge it to the game, man. You're paying it forward. That's your taxes right there. It's like the Uncle Sam of drug dealing. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, man, th this time uh, it was more horrible because it had been a friend of mine that I had trusted. Now I knew this friend would rob people. I never thought that he would rob me because I helped him so much. He had just had a kid. I would front him stuff all the time so that he could move it for me. And then out of nowhere, he runs into my house. I had a beanie over his head, but I knew who the fuck he was. He was a friend of mine, you know what I mean? Right. He was the only motherfucker there that was white. <laughs> <laughs> so it was me. I was playing video games, and I was hanging out with some friends of mine. One of my partners that I hadn't seen in a long time came over to hang out. And they came in. They took my safe that had all my money in it. Uh, and I wonder to this day if they ever got it open because that was like a fucking – that was a gun safe. You know what I mean? You would have right. really had to bang that thing up to get anything out of it. And then there was, you know, my had a bunch of stuff stashed in my stove and above my stove, and they took everything. Took my Xbox, they took my TV, and literally we're here being held at gunpoint while these guys are running shit out of my apartment. Why wow. nobody called the cops, I have no idea, man, but I lost everything that day. That was all of the money that I had. The only thing that they didn't get was like two grand that I had above my, uh, like a cabinet underneath some spices that I had stashed away. Wow. Dude, I had to relocate myself and had to start all the way from scratch again. From mm. twenty, from 2010 to 2013, I had rebuilt my weed business again. But this time it took me three years longer to do what I did in six months in 2010 because prices dropped tremendously. People were purchasing them now for 3000 to 2500 from 2010 to 2013. And that was the average purchase price per pound. So I had to find it wholesale. I had to find it wholesale. I had to go through the source. You know what I right. mean? I right. apply this to my real estate business as crazy as it seems, right? Because you could buy from wholesalers all day, right? right. <laughs> That's cool. But you're never going to get a better deal than the wholesaler got because the wholesaler is going to tax you because they have to make money, right? Exactly. So I had to go to the source to rein reinvent myself. I took a trip to Portland, Oregon. I met with a good buddy of mine named Joey. He owns a, a dispensary out there in, in Portland, Oregon called Grass Cannabis. Uh, super cool guy, man. I don't think he's in the game anymore, but when he was, he was he was throwing me some bows on the low. A bow <laughs> is uh, is a pound, if you don't know what that is. For anybody that doesn't know what that is, <laughs> but uh, you know, um, he was throwing me the, the these pounds for like, fuck, man, like twelve hundred, nine hundred dollars, and I would come back wow. and I would sell them again for two thousand, twenty five, twenty three hundred, and I was the go to guy in San Antonio, man, and I I, I lived so under the radar. Yet I had this giant fucking network of people that bought from me. You know, I learned pretty early on, man, that it's not uh, – if you really want to get somewhere in business, you have to be able to sell to other suppliers, man. Like that is the big thing here because you can sell to the average cat that just wants to get a dime bag or an eighth or a quarter or whatever. But you can also sell to somebody that supplies to somebody like that where they come back at you and they take all of your inventory. You make less, yes, but you do this multiple times. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, yeah, man, but that shit all boiled down, bro. For three years straight, I had built it back up to where it was. I met my then, now, fiance, who I'm getting married to next July. Really excited about it. But uh, she had got with me when I 
just got out of prison. I was late 2012 going into 2013. I was in a transactional period in Austin. And uh, what was happening was I had some partners of mine taking some stuff from Colorado. We were going to stop in Austin, hang out there for a couple of days because uh, South by Southwest was going on, and then transport it back here to SA. I had sold some concentrate. And I don't know if you know what concentrate is, but for the people that don't know, it's basically like liquid THC. People okay. call it dab. People call it wax, honey, etc. And it's like the crystal meth of weed where you basically extract the shit that gets you high from the plant and you can put it in a pipe. You can put it in a, a rig or like you can uh, smoke it out of a vape like a vape pen, things like that. You know what I mean? It's, it's right. concentrate. Super high quality stuff. I sold a bunch of this to, the, to this cat in 2013 and this dude went and made a bunch of brownies with it. It must have been like a 19-year-old kid. I hit a fat lick on that one and uh, I, I made good money when I sold it to him. But he was a kid. He got caught selling those brownies at school and then ratted me out and told the cops that I was going to be here at this hotel at this time. And that's wow. when they came in and they fucking... DEA raided my hotel, took everything that I had. I Luckily, I had 20 pounds on me at the time. I sold 15 of them. They only took five. I had 15 grand left, and it was stashed underneath the stove. I don't ever want people to think that are listening to this thing, this this podcast, this podcast that I always hide shit in my stove, okay? But I, <laughs> I do, and it's my fault. <laughs> it's just a funny place for anybody to look, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm going to find a way to come hang out with you at your, <laughs> at your house and just check out your stove, man. You know, it's hilarious, man. It's hilarious. But I had to go to jail for a little while, and prior to me going to jail, this was in 2013 – going toward christmas i met my lady and her and i really kicked it off and we've been together for a while we went to a music festival in dallas dallas has always been a big part of my life for some reason man i've been a cowboys fan since i was born bro so right. for me you know dallas has always just been like in 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 my eyesight where i want to go one day right. i love san antonio mexican food the culture the you know Tejano, it's it's alive here in San Antonio. We're very close right. to Mexico, so you can only imagine. But in Dallas, man, I swear, when I went to Dallas, every time I go to Dallas, magic happens. When I went to <laughs> Dallas, this was the first time that I had ever stepped foot. It was in Dallas City, Dallas County, right smack dab in the middle of everything. I went to a giant music festival called Lights All Night, and I met a realtor that worked for a company called Lifestyles Unlimited. And uh, that realtor was the... Uh, boyfriend of one of our lady friends one of my girls you know she had a lady friend she came over they wanted to stay in our hotel since you know rather just everybody be together than everybody pay for different rooms we didn't care you know we wanted right. everybody to come to stay with us too i was about to go to jail i knew i was going to do six months minimal my attorney got my sentence reduced to six months and two years of parole and it's funny because you were telling me before we hopped on this podcast that you remember me getting off of parole and it, that is yeah. the easiest thing man yeah, I, I I remember it like yesterday, man. I I you posted this picture of yourself. It looked like you were in like a parking garage. And, I just left uh, the probation office. <laughs> yeah, you you were walking out to your car and you're wearing like a suit and jacket and you know, like a red shirt and a tie and 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 I remember that we became friends because you were in real estate and you're telling you're like telling your story about you know today's my last day of parole and. I, I just remember thinking to myself, like, what the hell do I ever complain about? Like, I'm sitting here, and I'm like, this is so hard. There's so many barriers to entry. You know, I, 
yeah, I mean, we can wholesale properties, but, you know, once you start building a legitimate business and you have overhead, then it's like, okay, now this isn't about wholesaling one property. It's like, how can we wholesale, you know, 15 properties every month and continue to grow? And so I'm sitting here kind of bitching myself about my issues. And then I see your post and I'm like, this dude's over here doing the exact same thing that I'm doing, but he's also having to get off of parole for something that he did in a previous <laughs> lifetime. Like, shut the fuck up, RJ. Like, what are you worried about, you know? <laughs> and so. You know, man, it, it, it's crazy how these things happen, right? And I, I, a lot of people ask me, you know, like, it's that overnight success thing that pisses me off mostly because some people they'll see me as who I used to be and not what I've been what I've become and they'll tell me like Quentin you know you you just got lucky or not you know and they they don't understand where the fuck I came from to get right. to where the hell I'm at and you know when when I met that realtor right this was like you can call it chance or luck or whatever it's a good friend of mine his name's Garrett Sanchez he's been one of my best friends since I've met him um, and he had asked me to come to a seminar for a company called Lifestyles Unlimited. You know, while I was in jail, this dude, nobody visited me, not even my, my then best friend who I cut off at the time. Uh, but not even he visited me and didn't get a single family member. My sister came actually, she came one time, but it, it was, uh, this dude, I didn't, I barely met him one fucking time and he took the time to come and see me. And he gave me books, dude, that I had never even read before. Like, fuck, man, uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People was the first one. And then he dropped off Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I really liked that one. That one was cool yeah. because it woke me up. And I started learning more about the value of time versus the value of money. You know, he, I read uh, Darren Hardy's uh, The Compound Effect. And then Think and Grow Rich was the last one. And I read these books over and over and over again. You know, I didn't even know how the hell to get a hold of this dude. But when I finally got out, you know, I, I had got my phone back and I had, uh, my lady had held down my fort while I had been in jail. Thank God. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have lost literally everything. Nobody had room right. for any of my shit because I'm big on hoarding nerd stuff, bro. If you ever come to my crib, I got fucking like action figures and video games and, <laughs> you know, comic books. I, I, that's the shit I dig. You know, I got a comic book signed by Stan Lee. And, oh uh, man, that's like, awesome! It's framed and everything. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm a huge nerd at heart. Aside from the right. drug dealing stuff, I was never in it to like tote guns or like be a thug or anything like that. I started getting tattooed by the time I was 13, and you know that was just a mistake. But in a way, it was to cover up. I always felt like the reason I sold, I sold pot, man, was because I wanted somebody to come in and fucking kill me. Like, I always felt like I just was a fucking nuisance to anybody I ever met or Man. just not good enough. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So I did this shit so that I so that hopefully something can happen. Because I remember when I got robbed by my buddy. I'm going to say his name, too. The man who robbed me, his name's Danny Leone. And just in case anybody fucking, you know, I just want this fucker to know that he was part of who I am. I don't hold right. anything against him anymore. I used to hate him for what he did. But now I thank that motherfucker because it wouldn't have been for what he had did to me. I wouldn't have valued my life the way that I do now. And now where I'm at, he was a part of that. You know what I'm saying? And I think that when you think about when – you, when you put it into perspective, you know what I mean? If my life would have gone the way that I had wanted, I would not be the man that I am proud to be today. Right. And that is something that I think I hold above anybody. 
And I think that most cats that get into business, they don't understand how important solitude is to be cut off from everything and in a sale block for shit. I mean, most cats will do three or four years for some shit that I did, but I had a very good attorney and thank, thank God I had the money. And you can right. call it luck all you want, you know, but it happened the way that it was supposed to happen. So when people tell me that I'm overnight, you know, it pisses me off because they don't see what I've been through to get to where I'm at. Everything from the very beginning all the way to right now, you know, being on this podcast has been a trial and error thing, man. I fail, 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 and then I get it right. And when I get it right, you fucking better believe that it's going to be the most right that you've ever seen in your <laughs> life, man. Because when well, you put a roof over my head and you tell me that this is as hard how you can grow, well, that's when you fucked up, man. Because, you know, I'll prove a motherfucker wrong every single time because I'm not afraid of hard work. I've right. been there. You know, and real estate ain't any different than when I used to sell pot. The thing about real estate now is that I can tell everybody about what I do. So if I was able to build a network in the underground the way that I did with the weed thing, man, I had like right. 20 guys, eight runners, bro. We were wow. we were running game, dude. We were all over the place. I had people selling my product for me. It was the same shit. The product just switched. And I'm glad that I learned about drug dealing. I'm glad that I had went to jail for that shit. I'm glad that I read the books that I had read and that I was robbed or that I had guns held in my head because I would not be who I am right now if it weren't for those things that had happened to me. So I hold right. that shit close to my heart. So I'm going to I'm gonna fast forward this story real quick because I've gotten an outside perspective of your journey. I shared, it's all been through Facebook and Instagram. So if you if, follow Quentin on Instagram, he posts a bunch of great content on there. Um, and, and you kind of follow along on his, on his journey here. And it's been an incredible one to watch. I talked about, you know, I, I saw your post where you're on parole or your last day of parole. And then I remember one day you posted about you were doing your first subject too. And I'm like, this guy was, he, he's similar to me in the fact that, you know, we just started off as wholesaling. And then it was like, I remember the day I did my first subject too. And it was such an incredible feeling because it was like, now I'm an, a real estate investor, right? Before I was just a wholesaler. But now I've learned how to do creative financing and I'm really helping, you know, build my business and build actual, you know, wealth and finding a way to either flip a property creatively or, or generate passive income. And then most recently, a couple of cool things that you've done. I, I know that you've, you know, started your Instagram account. You're selling some products on there as far as negotiating with motivated sellers. And then also, I think there's a couple other products. And then you've come up, you spoke at Propelio Studios and kind of shared your story there. Uh, you and I had the pleasure of meeting each other at the Propelio meetup here. And uh, we both got to share the stage together. And man, you lit that thing on fire. I mean, seven minutes, Quentin shared how to automate your wholesaling business. And it was just incredible content. So yeah, there's a part of this story where it's like, man, that it, it's crazy where you came from. But now, like where you are, this is not just a, hey, you know, used to drug, you know, deal drugs and now, you know, he wholesales a couple of properties. No, like this guy is a, a freaking badass real estate investor down in San Antonio. You've recently expanded here to Dallas. Um, just your whole journey has been absolutely incredible. And seeing how it's come together just from an outside perspective, man. Um, I, I couldn't be more proud of what you've been able to accomplish. 
Man, that 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 right there is is what means the most to me out of everything, dude. I, I love meeting people, you know. And I, I like again, I was in the closet about a lot of this shit. And one of these days, I mean, it was a while ago that I had saw this this uh, interview, right? And it was Oprah Winfrey. She's interviewing one of my favorite people in all of history <laughs> and it, it's uh Dwayne the rock johnson i love wrestling yeah. you know they, they call wrestling redneck anime because <laughs> you know it's all a story nowadays but i still right. love it you know because it was part of who i was as a kid you know i grew up watching the undertaker throw them throw mankind off of a set off of a cell you know yeah. what i mean i i i watched the ultimate warrior pick up and slam andre the giant after hulk Hulk hogan did it and it's crazy to think about things like this, right? But not a lot of people know who The Rock is because The Rock wasn't always The Rock. The Rock was uh, a, a guy that everybody hated at first. You know what I'm saying? He was a part of a wrestling group. And when he would come out, people would chant like, Rocky sucks. Rocky sucks. And then right. everybody would just boo him off of the stage. You know what I'm saying? And the reason why is because he was portraying himself as somebody that he wasn't, as an asshole. And nobody nobody likes an asshole. Let's be honest here, right? right? right. And when he went back to his locker room, he says this in the Oprah Winfrey in, in interview. He says that, uh, you know, that's the last time anybody's ever going to say those words again. And then he went out and he became the most electrifying man in sports entertainment through wrestling. Superstar, WWF champion, heavyweight champion over and over again. Rock versus Stone Cold. Limp Biscuit was playing at the WrestleMania 17. <laughs> it was awesome. You know what I'm saying? And when I went and, and I, I saw this interview, it resonated in me so much, man. Um, I found my calling after seeing this interview. It's the smallest things, right, that you yep. find. Other people, you know, they'll, they'll search for through the library of the universe and then some people will find the secrets in a fortune cookie on what they need to change their life. And that was the main thing right there. When I saw that interview, he said, the most powerful thing that you can ever be is who you are, no matter what. And I decided to come out about all this shit that I'd been holding in. And mainly what fucked me up in the beginning was this realtor that, that told me that I shouldn't, that it would ruin me as a businessman. And you know what? I, I tell my sellers my story sometimes because they see me and I'm negotiating and I have my tattoos showing and shit. And they look at me and they're like, you know, what, what, do you, what, what happened? Like, why did you do that to yourself, you know? And I mean, honestly, dude, I've heard a lot in my life. And when you think about how much ink I have on my body, I wear what I've suffered. Because every single tattoo that I got, and my whole fucking body's covered, bro. It really is. Right. <laughs> it, it's the uh, uh, it's the level, the amount, the pain that I've gone through, and I needed something to mask it. So in a way, I wear the shit that I've gone through, and it helps me remember who I am and to stay humble about it, man. But uh, you know, I love real estate. The business has been great. I just purchased my third rental property last month we just started renovating it on monday it's been crazy man you know and i got four owner finance properties on my belt i'm legit an investor we flip houses here in san antonio but what i'm really really good at is wholesaling real estate i'm fucking damn good at finding houses man we have very intricate ways that we set things up and we dig through data a lot of data so i mean more or less man 
I, I didn't. Nothing changed about me. The only thing that changed was the game. If you really want to become successful in this world, you have to find a balance of being professional and being who you are. The moment that you lose who you are and you put on this mask and you try to portray yourself as this fancy business person or whoever the hell that you're trying to put on the show for, people see through bullshit. And this is 100% real, man. People yeah. see through that shit. If you really want somebody to respect you, you have to be real with someone. You can't. You got to throw it all out there, man, because people will, will see through bullshit. Ten times a day, man. I'm like that too. And you meet me, I'm no different than what I am on this podcast. Literally. Right. And I'm just a insane clown posse fucking video game playing, <laughs> comic book collecting, chubby dude that likes to eat food and talk business. That's really who I am. <laughs> right. And, you know, I, I wear that shit and I represent it because I'm proud of it. And that, that's the way I see it anyway. And well, that's I, I think that's the that reason story. why I think I I'm at where I'm at. Like no lie, bro. Like once you figure out that it's not who you're trying to be, it's who you are, and you have to master that that person. You have to evolve as that person because none of us really change over time, man. We only become more fully what we are, and that right. is something that you have to hold heart to your heart right there. I love you sharing that story about the Rock because even. Like, if you just look at his career as a whole, like, when he left wrestling and he became an actor, like, it was almost like, this isn't going to work. Like, you're you're a wrestler and you're trying to be an actor now, and, and it, I think everybody kind of doubted him. And now you look at it, it's like, he's like the number one action star. Like, yeah, I mean, he, he's the basically the just, Bruce Willis of our time, man. Like this yeah, new movie I mean, that he's the doing. guy's just a badass, and like even if the movie itself is not a good one, I mean, I still enjoy watching the guy, and I, 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 I draw inspiration from him as well. I haven't seen that interview, but just with the way he carries himself, and and you see him evolve as a person, and now you know being a father. I know you're a father as well, and that's an important part of your life. Um, you know, you said there's nothing's more important than family. Uh, kind of talk about, you know, the, the impact of becoming a dad and, and kind of, you know, what, what does family actually mean for you? Man, okay, so when, when I got – I'm going to just kind of rewind too, but it's going to go into family. <laughs> when I had gotten into the real estate business, again, you know, Lifestyles Unlimited, I don't know if you got, anybody knows about this company, but they're very, yes. very intricate on how they do business. And if you don't know about them, they're a uh, real estate investment firm. They have a member portal, they're a brokerage, and they teach people how to retire themselves through real estate investing. But they market strictly to people that are like in their late 30s, late 40s, early 50s uh, that have already done their profession. They've been contractors their whole life. They've been dentists, lawyers, you know, like uh, uh, physicians, etc. And these people have deep 401ks, right? They have money to invest in the real estate. I was the only dude there that was drug dealing <laughs> before I, I even started. I paid $5,000 for the single family mentorship and it was a year of mentoring that I had learned. And this was in 2014. Uh, about mid-year, I just got out of jail and I started all of this stuff. And it was from late 2014 all the way to, uh, I believe, like the halfway into 2015. Finally, one of the people asked me, he's like, how come you don't have any rental property, Quentin? And uh, I was like, well, shit, you know, I don't have any money. And the money that I did have, it wasn't clean. <laughs> right. So, you know, what am I really supposed to do and why am I here? I'm trying to learn a way out or trying to figure out how I can not have to do this anymore, man. 
It's been five years since I've actually had to sell pot, man. Five fucking years as of about three months ago. And, you know, I don't have to sell it at all. Like, I can finally provide for my family in a way that is extravagant compared to what it used to be. And it's a blessing, you know what I mean? Because my lady, she don't have to work either. But uh, I sat in the back of this classroom. Finally, somebody approaches me and they tell me, Quentin, you don't need money to invest in a real estate. And I was like, well, fuck, you know, fuck, why, why didn't you guys tell me this? I've been here for a whole ass year and you guys are going to tell me this like right now. <laughs> and you know, what, what was I really doing? I'm glad I went through that though, because I know how the rental game works. I understand multifamily and I understand how to buy single family homes in a creative financing way that allows you to replace your income. You know, these guys that are there, these dudes that are that are like late forties, early fifties that have lived their profession they're not buying to make a huge profit, bro. If anything, now that I've been in wholesaling, I know what a good deal is right off the bat. You know what I mean? You know your market. Right. I know my market. When we, we come across a deal, it's a no-brainer whether or not it's going to work for us. So when I think about a deal, uh, Lifestyles teaches you a different way to see it because those guys, they're not buying to make a huge profit. They're buying to replace their income. These are guys that will buy at $0.85 cents to $0.95 cents on the dollar, bro. They don't care about the equity. What they care about is the cash flow. If you tell them that they have to put 20000 of their, their savings plan into a deal and that deal is going to net them $400 a month in cash flow, great. Let's buy it. Let's buy eight of these so that I can replace what I need. You know, you have your expenses every month, right? You, re you read about this in Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then you have your income. You have to understand that your income needs to match what your expenses are. Otherwise, you're going to be in the rat race, right? That's what they call it, the rat race. I call right. it dumb motherfucker race. But anyway, you know, um, <clears throat> they talk about buying property that works in your advantage so that it can replace what you need. If I'm a doctor and I've been a doctor for 20 years and I have 100K in my, in my 401K, it's more advantageous for me to buy a bunch of property that's going to make me the four grand that I need every single month to pay for my car bills, to pay for my rent, to pay for my, you know, my expenses, the things that I need to live, my, my children, my, my lady. Right. So that is what they're doing there. And I love selling deals to Lifestyles Unlimited, man. They're a big, big part of what I do. I have a company that runs full auto that does nothing but find high equity homes, pre-foreclosures, tax delinquent properties that I move to Lifestyles Unlimited. And each one of those big checks that you see me make most of the time, that's because I'm selling to this company. Now, they only buy Texas, but they do have a huge pool of people who buy, especially from California. You show a California cat a deal in Texas, they're going to fucking nut themselves. They're going to see <laughs> straight off the bat, like, holy crap, you know, I'm paying 300 grand to make $300 in cash flow when I could buy six houses with 300K in Texas. Right. And make fucking 10 times the money, man. You know what I'm saying? So right. when you think about that, that is the power of Lifestyles Unlimited. And I'm very, very grateful that I went through all of that stuff because I look at deals in a different way when I'm finding them. Most cats in real estate in the wholesaling business, you know what I mean? They they uh, they see a deal and what is it? Uh, they, they automatically do the 70% minus repairs or whatever. Right. That's great. That's great. You know, but you have to think about other exit strategies because not every deal needs to be the, for a flipper. And you got to right. understand that up front or otherwise you leave the money on the table. A whole year I spent at this goddamn classroom learning about this stuff. And then finally I had a mentor. His name's Chris Carrillo, super cool guy. Uh, give him a huge shout out every time I can because I love the guy. Uh, we don't work together anymore, but he was a big part of me getting into wholesaling. I found out that I was going to become a dad 
and this was late 2015 going into 2016, man. And I, that, I mean, at, at then I was doing like maybe a deal a month. It took me eight months to find my first wholesale deal. And I shit you not, it must have only been like I think 3,200 bucks. When I got that check, I fucking cried, man, because it was the first wow. time I ever made real money that I didn't have to fucking slang for or I didn't have to do something stupid just to make appear in my hands. It was money that I could pay taxes on and money that I could use to reinvest in my business. Now that I knew that it was real, that wholesaling was a real ass thing, and this must have been like late 2015. Again, I found out I was going to be a father. 2016 came, my, 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 I held my son in my hands, and I knew exactly what the hell I needed to do at that point. You know, people don't understand how powerful children are. I see some people that are just ignorant as hell, like, thank God I don't have kids. Well, I feel sorry for them. Because they have never reached their full potential until they hold a child in their hands that is theirs, right. their flesh and blood. You realize that this picture is so much bigger than you at that point. I mean, you're a dad. You you understand. Oh, yeah. Man, hey, I've told the story before, but for anybody that hasn't heard it, you know, I, I started my company in 2012. And in 2012, I had a niece that was diagnosed with leukemia um, in July of 2012 my dad passed away in september of 2012 and my son was born on my birthday october 19th 2012 and uh in between there i started my company in august and uh you want to talk about perspective mindset your purpose changing all of those things that happened to me um really changed who I was and, and really the catalyst was losing my dad and, and gaining Trinity and, and holding Trinity and, and seeing him. And, um, you know, I, I mean, a, it helped me get over the fact that I had lost my dad, but B, um, just having a, a son and, and realizing that it was on me to take care of him. Like for the rest of my life, that is my purpose, and uh, there's there's nothing better. And and now I have Serenity, my daughter, and um, now that's a whole nother level of love, right? Because I have a daughter, and mm. then there's you know I love my son, and but now I have a daughter that's a whole different type of love, and it, it's very much equal, but they're different feelings for each other, and uh, it's a uh, it's an amazing amazing feeling, and I'm so grateful to have both of them because they drive me every day. Um, every day when, when I leave to go to work, uh, Trinity comes up to me, we high five, fist pump, hug and a kiss. We tell each other, we love each other. And when I'm walking out the door, he says, go sell some properties, go buy some houses. Like, and, and I don't know how long he's going to do that. He's approaching six years old, but every morning, like he's starting to get to the point where sometimes he forgets to do it. And I stop and I'm like, Hey. What am I going to do today? Go buy some properties. Go sell some properties. <laughs> and it, it's like my motivation. It's like the coach telling me what to go do before I go out on the field. So there's nothing better than being a dad, man. It really isn't, man. And I, when I look at my boy, and in a way, man, your boy is and your daughter, they're both your, – your father is a part of them. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, I'm very spiritual, bro. So to me, these people that pass, they, they forever live through you, and you hold them in the memories – and you keep a part of their spirit with you always. You know what I'm saying? Um, Dude, I, let me tell you a story real quick. So this popped up on my Facebook feed. It was a memory from three years ago. So at the time, 
Trinity was two years old, almost three. Um, he had gone to a like Mother's Day out pre-K, like just a couple hour thing. So you know they drop him off at the school. Mom can go buy groceries without having the kid. Just you know a couple hours where you give mom a break, and it was like the first time he had ever done it. And uh, I picked him up from the from home. Mom had to go to work, and I was like, "Hey, Bubba, um, how was school?" And I mean, he's like barely able to like fully have a conversation, right? I mean, he he developed early, but I mean, this is still you know you're talking to a three year old, so it's kind of broken English. And um, he said, um, "I was scared." And I said, why were you scared? And he said, because mama left me. And I said, well, that's okay. She's supposed to leave you because you have teachers. And he said, Papa John made it okay. And my dad was John Bates Jr. And um, my sister had three granddaughters before. So he had three granddaughters before Trinity was born. And so they he had been called Papa John. Now, Trinity never met Papa John. And he goes, Papa John made it okay. And I said, you you saw Papa John? And he said, yeah. And I said, I, I, I read the, the quotes because I wrote it on Facebook. I said, did he have a beard? And he said, yeah, he looked like you, which I look just like my dad. Wow. And uh, I, I will, I'll never forget that moment because we were riding in the car, and I just remember, like, tearing up because, I mean, Trinity never met my dad. And so it's a... Uh, there's a lot in this world that we don't understand. There's a lot in this life that we don't understand. And, uh, you know, just moments like that, you know, just kind of, uh, I, I don't know if that was just him making something up or if it actually happened. I, I'll never know until probably I'm dead and gone. And I understand life at that point in time, <laughs> but you know, that was just one of those moments that, uh, uh, I'll, I'll never forget. And so, yes, um, you know, my dad is definitely a part of my children's lives and, um, uh, it's just it's amazing to see both of them and now that serenity is here um i see a lot of my dad in her because she she looks a lot like me she's basically a little female rj and uh, <laughs> awesome. she gives me the same looks that my dad would give me and i'm like this is this is incredible like my little daughter sitting here like a little papa john staring at me like she's kind of angry but she's actually happy and it's it's hilarious so anyways I love wow, it, man. What an I mean, what honestly, an episode, uh, dude, man. The, people don't understand how powerful children are, man. Like my son, I would not be where I am at right now if it wasn't for him. And I'm pretty blessed to have gone through a midlife crisis as early as I did because it started happening to me around 22, 2011, and I spiraled out, bro. Um, you know, it was in 2011 that I had overdosed on cocaine, and I used to do drugs pretty pretty heavy you know what i mean like i smoked meth a few times i i snorted coke almost every day of my life for fucking years straight from like i think 17 all the way up until i was 21 and then out of nowhere it caught up with me man and i woke up in a hospital and i always felt like you know i was ever since then i've had anxiety to a lot of things you know what i'm saying like can't ride right. a plane like i used to or can't do a lot of things like i used to and it took me years to break it i am panic attack free four years uh, as of uh, March, so it, it's been a while. It's been a while. The way that right. I see it is, you know, again, like 
children, I don't think anybody's ever ready for it when it does happen. But when when it when it happens, you you know exactly what you need to do, man. And all the shit that had happened before is just completely irrelevant. And you just change yourself entirely, bro. It's like waking up for the first time. You know what I mean? And it, it's crazy seeing your, your your kid grow. You call your your son Bubba. I call my son Bubby. And <laughs> you know, I, I think that's super cool, bro. I think uh, our children yeah. do definitely play a big role on on who we we are, who we've become. You know, I, I hold a lot above my head. A lot of times, I feel like it's heavy, but and then I see my son, and I get stronger, and I can hold that weight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's funny you brought up that you're never ready to become a parent. And and I'll, I'll use this analogy. Becoming a parent is kind of similar to becoming an entrepreneur. And for me, becoming an entrepreneur was easy. And I think becoming a parent is easy for some people. But I get more questions about but how to get started in real estate. And they understand everything. I just got a call today. Someone listened to my interview on the Carrot Cast with Trevor Mock. And he called me because I gave my phone number on it. And he was like, he knew everything. He has his websites. He has lists. He has bird dogs. He has VAs. He has everything lined up. And I'm like, what are you calling me for? <laughs> and he's like, because I need someone to tell me to just go do it. Oh my so I God. literally said, I was like, then go do it. Like, dude, if you're not making offers, you're not making money. So go out there and make an offer today. And so he was like, dude, when, when I do this, like, I'm going to give you all the credit. And I said, don't give me the credit. Go just take action. Like, don't, <laughs> go do it. It's really but that I, easy. Yeah, but I say that to say, like, when I was, I'll never forget the day that I left work, Trinity was being induced the next day. So I'm on my way home to pick up Jana, and I'm going to take her to the hospital. And I, I couldn't. I couldn't deal with it, man. Like this is the first thing in my life that I I was freaking out. <laughs> Same, I couldn't handle bro. it. And I I didn't what I was upset about was is because it was a moment in my life where at any other point in time I would have picked the phone up and called my dad and just said, "All right, dad, tell me what I need to do." Like just uh, it's going to be okay, right? And and I couldn't and I was so pissed off. And I literally played on repeat the song that they played at his funeral, which was uh, Garth Brooks' The Dance. Damn good song. I played it on repeat, and I was literally bawling my eyes out and just screaming, like, angry. Like, why aren't you here? Who am I going to call? What am I going to do? What if I suck at this? What if he hates me? What if he screams? What if I don't know how to change a diaper? What if I don't know how to feed him? What if, I, what if the business fails? The business was like two months old like we didn't even know what we were doing i didn't even i didn't even know how to do anything at that point in time <laughs> and i was just so pissed off and what ended up coming out of that was is as soon as trinity was here it was like a calming effect and it was like no i can do this like he looked at me and it was almost like he heard my voice and it was like that's dada like I, I, I'm officially, and it, it, that was something else that was funny. Like the whole time, my, I called my dad dad, and so I thought I was gonna be dad. I'm not dad. I'm dada, and that's what Trinity has called me. And and it, it was like that moment I became dada, and ever since then, 
I've never worried about being data. I've never been worried about being a parent. And it's the same thing with being an entrepreneur. If you're out there and you're stuck, you just have to go and take the action and do it. Because no matter what books you read, no matter what podcasts you listen to, no matter what conversations you have with guys like me and Q, it doesn't matter. What's going to happen is, is you're going to go out, you're going to make offers, you're going to get a property under contract, and you're going to create chaos, and then you're going to solve problems. Because that's what we do as entrepreneurs, and the same thing is what you do as a parent. You went out, you created something, and that something is called chaos, and it's a baby, and then you solve the problems for the baby. Same thing as an entrepreneur. We create chaos, and then we solve problems, and that's what we do. Mm-hmm. There's no barriers. There's There's only levels right and you can't stay at the same level you have to be able to push yourself into the next level and for i guess for us you could say that our kids was that that calling i'm telling you i mean at the beginning i I wasn't as successful as i should have been and i could have been but everything that had happened after my child came into my life was derived from holding my son in my arms for the first time man literally i I don't think that there was any other powerful moment in my life that did that for me it was uh the changing moment where i knew exactly what i needed to do even if i didn't know what the fuck i was actually going to do it just kind of clicks and this this instinct comes through you and you realize that anything or every problem that you've ever had is completely obsolete and that there's no such thing as failure anymore there's only lessons and you learn from them and then you push forward no matter what you push forward because i fucked up a lot of times in real estate i fucked up a lot of times when i was selling pot you know what i mean and for me uh this had this was the defining moment where i realized that it was never a fuck up it was just something that needed to happen to get me where i always needed to be and uh most people they they wake up late i'm not going to say this is for everyone again some people they 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 aren't like you and i they're right they're stagnant they're brainwashed most of them or they just don't understand what full potential is, man. And right. you don't reach it until you know. And some people, it takes longer than others, man. And maybe some of the cats that are listening to this this podcast that me and RJ are doing right now, uh, maybe they don't understand their full potential yet. But when it happens, bro, it clicks, dude. And you feel nothing but gratitude for every single goddamn thing that has ever happened to you that has led up to this point. And once you let go of trying to control everything and you let it just flow through you, that is when you know that you're going to be a force to be reckoned with sooner or later. And the time comes when it comes. And sometimes you just don't know when you're ready until you're ready. And for me, it was that moment when I decided, you know, when not when I decided, when, when I found out that I was going to be a dad. It wasn't even real, real until I held my son in, the fir- in my arms for the first time. Which sucked, too, because I put a toll on my lady. Because she was more excited about it than, than me. And that's the thing be- between women and men right there. When a woman finds that she has life within her it's real from day one you know and for us although we do see it growing in our lady's belly it's not real until it's actually out you know what i mean right this is different for other people some of you guys might say that that's completely stupid who knows right but uh, this is true yes for a man for a dad it's when they come out and you see their face and that's when it's like okay it's weird. <laughs> it's time to I get to it. work, man. You know what right. I mean? I think that's cool <laughs> exactly. as hell, dude. Honestly, uh, uh, I think being a father and then owning a business, there's no, there's nothing better. 
I love, you know, when, when I first got into this thing, and this is something that I would like for a lot of people to do too. If you've got kids and you're still kind of like wondering how to make this work, obviously not everybody's blessed to just be good at this shit right from the get-go, right? Like some people, they actually have to work to be able to provide. They can't just put their life on hold and then take this crazy risky jump into real estate business because they don't know what the hell they're doing. That is understandable, you know what I mean? But is it wrong? Is it right for you to just stay stagnant? It's not. It's not. You have to realize that your your family's freedom papers are on the other side. And what you're providing for your kid today is a portal for him tomorrow. Whatever he wants to do with his life is made possible because of what you with the sacrifices that you made with your life. So if you're working a nine to five job and you're listening to this podcast and you're wondering what the hell you're going to start, start, just start. Start where you're at, man. Uh, that, that's the that's the main thing right there. And you can't be afraid to fail because if you're afraid to fail, then you're always going to let those failures define you. And it's not how they define you. It's how you use them to become stronger. You there, There's no limit to this type of stuff, man. And in real estate, I had no fucking money. I literally just got out of jail. I spent all my money on a fucking mentorship that I didn't learn really anything from aside from – oh, I learned a lot from it, I'll say. But it wasn't what I needed then. And it wasn't a loss of money either. It was stuff that I needed. Maybe, again, you know, like I had nothing. And then I jumped into wholesaling and I figured out like, okay, what am I going to do to get my first property under contract? How the hell am I going to do this? You know, there's so many free platforms that you guys can use, man. But it starts with you putting in the work. If you're working a nine-to-five job, great. Work the job, but work your business plan harder. Don't just yep. sit at this cubicle that you're in and ponder and think and wonder like what if, what the fuck am I going to do, how am I going to do this, how am I going to get where I want to get. You know, you, you, These what ifs are just going to cloud your judgment and that's all you're going to stay at is the what if and not the how am I going to do this. A lot of people when they're kids were brainwashed into thinking, right? Like I go to the store with my mom. I'm seven years old and I tell her, mom, I really want this Transformer toy Optimus Prime. This is what I want, right? She's going to tell me, well, Quentin – we can't afford that right now. That verbiage right there automatically shuts down my thinking. It makes me feel that because of circumstance, my mother could not buy me this toy. It makes me feel like because of ver verbiage like that, it has brainwashed a lot of us into thinking that we're, we, we're in this cubicle and that's not where we're at. Had my mother would have told me, Quentin, how can we afford this transformer that you want? That would have challenged critical thinking right there, traditional thinking. And I would have then had to discover in my head what I had to do to be able to afford this Optimus Prime I wanted. And this is also with our lives as adults. We think about these things. You know, It's not I can't afford to do these things. It's how can I afford to do these things. It's the fucking internet. It's 2018. We're at a point right now where you can go to <laughs> craigslist.com, click on the thing that says for sale. You click on for sale and then you look at the tabs, click on free, go there, look at somebody that's giving away a cheap-ass shitty fucking TV, grab, go – if you don't have a ride, great. Find some change on the floor. Take the bus over there. Pick that TV up. Get on the bus. Take it back. Borrow somebody's phone. Snap a picture of it. Put it on Facebook. Somebody's going to buy it for 20 bucks, and there you go. You have the income now to, to do something. Right. That that $20 I could spend on marketing, I could spend it on ads on Facebook, I could spend it on anything. You can literally go to the library and use their computers for free, guys. It's, it's at a point right now where there's just no excuse, right? You could sit on your fucking ass and play video games at home 
and blame the world for the things that you're not able to do, or you can get up and fucking go to work. And that is the, the, the turning point right there, you know, and some, for some people we wake up like when we have our kids. Great. You know, we, we both held our child in our arms for the first time. That was a, our motivation. Maybe that happened to you guys, but it didn't affect you the same way. Find it. Tap into right. it. If this podcast was what did it for you, fucking do it, man. I used to sell so much pot. I, I fucking went to prison. Yo, that shit sucked. There's no way in hell that you listening to this with your life has any fucking excuse to not be where I'm at. Literally use my story as the example and the awakening point for you to transform your goddamn life into the things that you wanted to do. Because on the other side of that that transformation are your family's freedom papers. And ain't nobody going to give that to you. You have to go and take it. And that is the difference between a go-getter and somebody that feels trapped by circumstance, in my opinion. There you go, bud. There you go, man. All right, guys, that's going to be today's episode. Q, thank you so much. Hey, guys, if you're listening to this and you love what you heard, go follow Q on Instagram. It's real estate underscore monster. Um, he drops a ton of great content on there. You can also find him on Facebook. Um, Q, man, thank you for being so real and sharing what you shared today. Uh, we broke a lot of barriers today for the first time on the Titanium Vault. We learned uh, all kinds of terms for selling weed. Um, <laughs> no regrets, man. <laughs> I, I think uh, we beat Corey Thompson's record for the most F-bombs. Um, and uh, But overall, the, the story and the drive that you have is so inspirational. And, um, it, I just, I can't thank you enough. And like you said, man, uh, this guy was out selling weed and got busted, went to jail and look what he's out there accomplishing right now. There is no excuse. If you're listening to this and you're telling yourself an excuse, um, you, you should be ashamed of yourself. Um, there, there's not just make the change. Two time Take felon right here, man. Day. Two time felon. Ain't nothing changed there but the go. game. <laughs> Q, thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate it, RJ. Everybody that's listening to this, man, I pray that everything that you've been working for comes to you before this year is over. Uh, thank you for having me, RJ. I appreciate it. The opportunity, man. Love this show. Love you, bro. And I'm glad that you found your calling too, man, with your son and everything like that. I love seeing you guys grow. Anybody that's reading this, man, go for it and follow me on Facebook. If you need some advice or about anything, yeah, I'm here for you. I'm open ears. So uh, appreciate the opportunity. All right, buddy. Thank you. All righty, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, RJ Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review. We'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault.